Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. It is episode number six of the postgame report, where we look back at the weekend that was in the National Football League and in college football. Also going to talk about the race weekend at Kansas Speedway that I was at in uh, Kansas City. And uh, we'll talk about all those things coming up on today's show. Here with you a little bit later with the Chiefs having that 4 o'clock start. We thought it was better if we go ahead and waited on that Monday show till the Chiefs game was completed. And Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, we always start out the Monday show with the question of what did we learn from over the weekend? And I'll ask you this question here in just a second, but I'll tell you what I learned first. And I learned that I could get my face on a NASCAR. Uh, I did not know that that was possible for this weekend, but sure enough, we made it happen. Tom, I'm sure you and the viewers out there might want to know how I was able to pull this off. Yeah, I saw, I mean, you sent me a picture of it, uh, but I don't necessarily know the whole story behind it. So Tom's going to find out with everyone else right now here on the show how this all came about. So on Friday, I'm in my apartment eating Taco Bell with a couple of my buddies. One of them includes uh, Dominic Aragon of the Racing Experts, uh, .com. And David and Dominic and I, in the coming weeks, we're about to launch a podcast. It's going to be a weekly NASCAR show where we look back at the week that was in the sport and tell old stories and such. And we'll be promoting that stuff in the next uh, few weeks here. Well, we uh, he called. I had David scheduled to come on my radio show Saturday morning. And David calls me about 11 o'clock in the evening to confirm that uh, you know he's coming on the show and such. And we get that all sorted out, and he asks me what I'm doing. I'm like, oh, I'm just eating Taco Bell in my apartment. He's like, well, I'm in the Wendy's drive-thru, believe it or not. <laughs> and uh, and I said, uh, after we confirmed that he's coming on the show and all that, and I said, and you're going to put my decal for my podcast uh, on your car, right? And he said, yeah, I'll do that. And I was like, really? And he said, yeah, yeah, we'll get that done. And I'm thinking he's joking. I'm, I was half joking when I said it. I did not think he was serious about this. So then the next day we bring him on the show and just to confirm, I bring it up again. And I even said to David, David, I did not think you were serious about this when we talked late last night. And he said, I would not bring this up and say it was okay. If I wasn't serious about it, he's like, we'll make it happen. And so Fast forward to three hours before the Xfinity race starts. David's in the number 07 American uh, Rebel Chevrolet. And uh, I call him up. We meet him at the credential office. And I get him my sticker. Uh, Dominic gets him his sticker for the racing experts. We have him take a picture with it. And then, you know, just before the race starts, about 20 minutes before the green flag, I get a picture from David sent to my phone. And sure enough, it's our stickers right there on the driver's door side of the car. Very visible. We weren't on the side or something like that. We were right there on the driver's side of the car. And within, you know, the distance of the television cameras, got that TV time and all that stuff on NBCSN. So there you have it. We have now sponsored a race car, have gotten the TV time, and we have our own team now, Tom, 
Now, David finished 24th. Um, you know, that was where he ends up uh, after uh, completing the race. That was the main thing. I had this idea that I either wanted, uh, you know, of course, David to be okay, but, you know, we could either get TV time by David finishing well or crashing. Thankfully, he didn't have to crash. That's good. But he did finish the race. We got the TV time. So now we have our own NASCAR team, Tom. We have our own team in our first race. We finished 24th. So I would say that we can only go up from here at this point. Yeah, I think so. Just wait till that car gets in victory lane and we'll be getting five-star reviews or no reviews at all. (laughs) Right. Um, That to me was too cool. And I appreciate David for doing that for us. And uh, we're going to have some more stuff like that in the future, actually Uh, beyond more, of uh, David's cars and do some cross promotion stuff like that. So uh, that was too cool that, uh, that a late night phone call while eating Taco Bell turned into uh, getting ourselves on a race car. And, you know, I even put it on the tweet, Tom, I said, after the race, I said, that was the number Oh seven Jones report Chevy. I think I I know that American rebel paid a lot of money, but I think that's what I'll refer to it. That's the Jones report car now. Right. I mean, how many other um, how many other faces have been on a NASCAR like just a outright <laughs> face? I don't see that very often. Right. My face, the podcast logo. I mean, our friends at Dominic and those guys, the racing experts, it was just their website on there. You know, I had my face on the car. Um, Corey LaJoy had his whole face on the hood a couple of years ago at Daytona for some thing with Old Spice trying to promote some shaving stuff. Um, but my face was on a car. So next time when, see, I didn't even tell him Tom, how big the stickers we had were. I just told him that I had decal. I'm thinking next time I need to get just a giant sticker and say, you just hand it to him and then see what he does from there. Uh, that's what I need. We need to do next is surprise him with a big old sticker. Uh, next time, put it on the roof of the vehicle. Right. <laughs> so, uh, That's thanks to David for doing that. Go. And, uh, we had a, a successful weekend, 24th place finish. We'll talk more about the NASCAR race, uh, coming up later on in the show, did some TV with our guy, Harold Koontz on Fox four talking about the race and ultimately Joey Logano wins. And, uh, you know, Clint Boyer didn't have the outing he wanted. Neither did Jimmy Johnson, each of their last races at Kansas Speedway. We'll talk more about it later on. So that was a long way to answer what I learned this weekend. So now, Tom, I'll ask you, what did you learn this weekend? So, Jones, I learned that not only Oklahoma State is pissed at Baylor, but pretty much the rest of the Big 12. And I'm sure you caught this story, but if nobody else did, Oklahoma State and Baylor had – you know, had a game to play this uh, was supposed to be this past weekend. It was canceled when Baylor earlier on in the week or even prior to that had stopped all football operations due to COVID issues. Okay, this is not Baylor's first time. So everyone's just kind of like, come on, Baylor. What, what, everyone else is pretty much fine. Uh, what's, what's, you know, what's going on? Anyway, they cancel the game. OSU had tried to, get another suitor for a game did not work so two bye weeks two open weeks for osu in a row and and as an osu fan i'm not so happy about that um but you know iowa state this weekend but the really the thing that i learned that baylor just absolutely does not care 
Uh, Jones, I'm not sure if you saw their little homecoming initiative deal that they did where they had a large majority of students on the field at McLean Stadium uh, mask up with, uh, you know, all the football figureheads speaking at like a homecoming outing. Uh, and I just thought that was so responsible and just so uh, just a slap in the face. Well, if you can't play football game, but you're going to have all these students that aren't socially distanced uh, in your stadium, mask or no mask, uh, but still not be able to play a football game. I just thought, I mean, Baylor, I learned that Baylor is never going to change and they should be kicked out of the conference. And it's not even an OSU fan saying that. There's the rest of the Big 12 is pissed as well. Well, the thing with Baylor, yeah, they're competitive on the field, Tom. I mean, you know, in the Big 12 title game last year, their basketball team was a top four team for most of the season and would have been a you know, one or two seed if the NCAA tournament would have happened last year. And we know about their women's basketball program with Kim Mulkey and the job she's done over the years. And you know, they have great athletics. There's no denying that when it comes to Baylor. But time and time again, is there a school that's more embarrassing for the Big 12 Conference than Baylor? Absolutely not. Um, you know, from what they did with the Art Bryles situation, I know that there was some new developments uh, towards that that came out this weekend. I've been so busy with so many things, I haven't uh, followed up on that. I need to read more into that uh, before Thursday's show. Um, but, you know, you have that go on, and then now this type of deal where, you know, even the games that they've hosted, they haven't been social distancing or wearing a mask and stuff like that. I mean, one of the things we talked about, Tom, was at all levels of the NFL and college football – we said that the teams that are going to have COVID concerns for the most part are going to be the more uh, teams that are not well run, that are, that are very careless, uh, you know, that tend to struggle are probably going to be the ones that have the most COVID issues. And, you know, in the Big 12, Baylor is the, you know, most loose cannon program of anybody out there. And I don't find it any surprise they find themselves in this, situ this circumstance. No, I don't either, and and I shouldn't be surprised if that happens. But the the whole homecoming deal, you know, you can have all these fans and in, in inside on your field, um, but you can't have a football game. Even if they said, you know what, we have COVID issues, we're still going to play um, the game, but we're going to, you know, go no fans are out for this game. Sure, fine. Uh, I, I mean, but. Uh, but just for them to do that pretty much the day before that they're supposed to play Oklahoma state, uh, just a slap in the face to, to not only Oklahoma state, but the whole rest of the conference. And uh, you can tell that they literally do not care. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tom, where I want to start today, uh, in the national football league, let's first react to this chiefs bills game that just finished up, uh, about an hour after or uh, before we recorded this show, the Chiefs knock off the Bills 26 to 17, bounce back from that loss to the Raiders 40 to 32 last week. Uh, they're now five and one on the season. The Bills are four and two. And the big takeaway for me in this game, Tom, was the running game for the Chiefs. They rushed for 245 yards, 46 carries uh, for the Chiefs. And to think that this was the most rushing yards and rushing attempts ever in the Andy Reid era in Kansas City. Just a week ago, 
We were after Andy Reid saying they weren't running the football enough. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire only had 10 carries in that game against the Raiders that they weren't focused on the run game. And over the years, Andy Reid has been notorious for not running the football enough and not doing enough with his run game. But what do you know? They made adjustments this week. They saw that the Bills didn't have a great run defense, and they exploited it. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had the best game of his career so far with 26 carries for 161 yards. He was an amazing bell cow uh, for the Chiefs running the football. You know, we, we spent so much time, too, talking about Josh Allen and his running ability. He was leading the Bills in rushing, I believe, going into tonight. Patrick Mahomes, I think, is you know, arguably just as good of a runner as Josh Allen is. He just doesn't do it as often as Allen does. He doesn't need to. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had 10 rushes for 36 yards. You know, Darwin Thompson got involved and had, you know, a few carries. The Jinx native had three carries, 17 yards. Darrell Williams, six carries and 26 yards and one touchdown. But it wasn't just the running backs for the Chiefs. The offensive line got the job done, and they were really banked up. I mean, this they were playing JV kids out there pretty much, you know, with Mitchell Schwartz and some of these other guys out there. And they still circled the wagons all over that Buffalo Bills defense and were just incredible tonight. I was so impressed with the job the offensive line did. Even with being as shorthanded as they were, they still made it work and opened up giant run lanes. Credit to Andy Reid for taking the initiative to run the football, which is something he doesn't typically do. Credit to that offensive line for uh, coming through in the way that they did, despite being shorthanded. Clyde edwards Lair, I think, played with a chip on his shoulder to a bit, to an extent. Um, you know, the big news over the weekend was not about Clyde edwards Lair at the running back position. It was Le'Veon Bell coming to Kansas City. Now, he wasn't quite ready to go tonight because he's got to isolate for five days for COVID stuff uh, before he can officially join the team. But a lot of attention was made about Le'Veon Bell joining the Chiefs. Just the excitement that was there. He's going to play for a minimum contract. That way the the uh, Jets can still pay him his full contract. But there was so much attention there. And, you know, people were talking, saying, well, now Edwards Hilaire is going to lose a handful of those touches, those carries he would have had. Uh, but you know what? He went out there and said, hey, I'm, I'm still RB1. This is still my team. And he proved himself. Um, he had looked great week one, but he hadn't played as good since. And tonight, he really shined and took a step up. I was very impressed with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And he said all the right things about playing with Le'Veon Bell. Um, they've been in contact with each other. Um, I'll say this. I'm not concerned about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's a rookie. He's done a very good job to this point in time. Going forward at that running back position, it's all a matter of if Le'Veon Bell is going to be the right fit. If Le'Veon Bell is going to have his stuff together and you'll know, be a good teammate, because he wasn't a good teammate with the Jets. He wasn't a good teammate for the, for the Steelers. That's what this comes down to. So big win for the Chiefs. Love the way they ran the football. And now adding Le'Veon Bell, I'll say this, it's a low-risk, high-reward. You've proven yourself with Clyde in that running game. Um, if for whatever reason, Le'Veon's going to give you some issues of some sorts, you cut him and it doesn't cause you anything either. So, 
Um, that's kind of where things are at right now with the Chiefs. Five and one, they've established their run game, and they're only going to get better from here, Tom. Yeah, they did establish a run, and, and we talked about it last week, and you know, I think even Coach Bo said something about, you know, doesn't matter what happens, the Chiefs have to learn to run the ball or not only just not run – not only to not just run the ball but run it well uh, and, and take some pressure – um, off of Mahomes, or you know, kind of switch it up to where you know that line was banged up, like you mentioned. I thought they played great uh, tonight, though, and and you know, it was rainy, and so you know, ball was wet, and you know that can make you know pretty tough to you know have a good passing attack. So uh, you ended up benefiting the Chiefs. We saw what they had, you know, in the run game already, and and ended up working out for them pretty well. Yeah, uh, it was a big-time win. Now you add in Le'Veon Bell, and you're already 5-1. and one. Tom, what do you make of the addition of Le'Veon Bell? What's he going to do to this Chiefs team uh, here going forward? Uh, I think it can only benefit them. You, you mentioned that, you know, if any issues arise, they just cut them and it's no sweat off their back. Uh, for Le'Veon Bell, he gets to go to a title-contending team. Uh, I mean, he goes from to maybe – it's funny. He goes from probably the – uh, actually the worst team in the NFL to potentially the best team. Uh, so, I mean, what a turnaround for him and just one swift motion. No kidding. Uh, a big turnaround for him to uh, be in uh, this position uh, that he's in. And uh, for the Chiefs right now, uh, Mahomes 21 of 26, 225 yards and two touchdowns. Um, you know, the last thing on the Chiefs here, Tom, that I'll, I'll say this is, that they're not having to score 40 points a game to win. Now, that would have been nice against the Raiders. That would have done it for you. Um, but what we're seeing is this team can play more ball control football, that they can run it. You know, Patrick Mahomes can still be efficient and effective here. I think that if they get in a shootout, they can answer that call. But this to me was a win we'll look back on later in the season, especially when you have games with weather conditions like tonight and snow games and stuff like that, that the Chiefs have that ability to adapt. If they need to be a ground-and-pound physical team, they can be that. Yeah, they can, and, and it could – you know, we've played this, you know, game in two weeks or even three weeks from now. That could have been a snow game tonight. Uh, I mean, it felt like 46 in Buffalo. I uh, looked it up because, uh, you know, I was thinking, woo, I bet it is cold, that drizzle coming down, uh, you know. KC can can ground and pound when they need to. So and and Le'Veon Bell having him only helps their case. Uh, so I I think you know they took a step forward tonight, and it was kind of a grit and grind game. Uh, I mean, I mean overall they played obviously a lot better than they did last week, but they played a tough Bills team that's just kind of a no bullshit type team. Um, and so you know for them to be able to do that and get that win and and hold on and get an interception even late. Uh, really, you know, works out for them. And, and like I said, potentially learn something, uh, you know, moving forward. Yeah, certainly. So uh, last thing on this one, Tom, um, the Bills, this is their second straight loss. Josh Allen did not play well. He got off to, to a really slow start to this game. The Chiefs defense had a good game plan for them. They couldn't really get their running game going either. And their defense was just awful. 
giving up all those yards that they did and letting the Chiefs with their you know, JV third string offensive line just go through them like that. Um, this has been a bad couple weeks for the Buffalo Bills. I like the way they started the season, but um, this team's going to need a wake-up call of some sorts. This has not been a good week, good couple weeks for the Bills, and especially for a team that this is supposed to be their coming-out party. This is supposed to be the second or third best team in the AFC. This team needs a wake-up call of some sorts. Yeah, I think they do. I, I think they'll, I still think they'll be okay. Uh, I mean, the the way they lost in the previous week, that was just pretty – that was pretty shocking. I don't really think anybody saw that coming either. Um, so, But I, I really do think they'll be okay. I don't see them still not making the playoffs. I mean, I, I think they've – I still think they're going to walk away with that division. Uh, I mean, the Dolphins are looking crazy here lately, and we'll get to that later. Um, but, I mean, I like – I like what the Bills are still going to be able to do, and and uh, you know they'll I think they'll get past this and, and move forward with with things. But I, I mean, obviously, you didn't want to lose that game at home. Uh, to you know this that that game tonight felt playoff implicationy. Yeah, I think so. Let's uh, look at the rest of the games in the National Football League. We'll roll through these real quick. The Titans defeat the Texans in overtime, forty-two to thirty-six. I know the Texans aren't that good of a team, Tom, but what a win for the Titans to pull this off in OT. Ryan Tannehill was terrific. Uh, 364 yards, four touchdowns. Derrick Henry with over 200 yards and uh, two touchdown runs. I think, Tom, we were all kind of skeptical if the Titans were frauds, if last year was uh, you know a lot of good luck of some sorts, but 5-0. and oh, best start that they've had since they've been the Tennessee Titans. Um, I mean, this team is for real. There, there's no messing around uh, with uh, Tennessee. I, I like what this team is doing, and they're a real threat. And Tannehill, uh, I think Miami, I know that they, they like what two is going to be with their future and everything, but they got to be thinking, man, Ryan Tannehill wasn't the problem here. Right. No joke. I mean, it, it feels like really, and, and you can attest, this I'm sure and I'm sure you probably feel the same way this Tennessee team you know not the not the craziest skill players I'd say yeah you have Derrick Henry that I mean just just running all over teams I mean interesting quick fact about him there's been six 200 yard games since 2018 in the NFL and Derrick Henry has three of those um so I mean he's He's carrying this team on his back. I mean, I don't want to give him too much credit because, you know, it, it takes both both sides. But Vrabel's done a great job. I mean, Jones, this team feels a lot like what the Memphis did with Gasol, Conley, and Zach Randolph. The grit and grind Grizzlies. I don't I don't know what you would call the Titans. Uh, I mean, what, what other two tenacious Titans or, I don't know, whatever other T adjective you up with. Uh, but this is a grit and grind team uh, and they and it's showing and they're, you know, shouldn't have probably been that close with the Texans, but Texans have shown a lot more things after Bill O'Brien's been gone. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is one of those wins that if they make it as far as they did in the playoffs again this year, they're going to look back on and say, yep, yeah, that was one of the games we could, you know, took a step forward, gelled as a team and pulled out the win. Yeah, big top win for the uh, Titans, and uh, they move ahead to five and zero. Oh. Like I said, uh, you know Henry has been uh, phenomenal. We know he's a good back, but I think Tannehill 
is uh, legit. He's uh, he's sticking around as one of the better quarterbacks in this league. Uh, Colts beat the Bengals 31-27, to Tom. Uh, Colts sneak by here. Phillip Rivers played a decent game here. I know the Colts are 4-2. and two. I'm still selling the Colts. Uh, I'm not buying that stock, even with that record. Uh, the Bengals, you win by four. That's still not a great win against uh, Cincinnati there. Well, yeah, and here's the deal, too. Uh, I mean, Cincinnati has a way to go. Burroughs has been playing great just considering all things. But uh, the Bengals were up 21 nothing at one point in time. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's more of a Bengals collapse than I'd say Colts actually pulling one out of their ass. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm selling this Colts team, uh, not, not impressed. I mean, I mean, the Titans should run away with that division. Uh, I mean, with where it stands currently, the Falcons pulled off a 40 to 23 win against the Vikings and kind of like what we talked about with the Texans, Tom, we said that we thought that they were going to respond well to their first game without Bill O'Brien, and they did. I think we said the same thing about the Falcons, their first game without Dan Quinn, that their guys would respond well. They did. Matt Ryan looked like the Matt Ryan of old with uh, close to 400 yards and four touchdowns. Um, the Vikings' defense was just terrible. And I think now you got to talk about, if you weren't already, Mike Zimmer being on the hot seat at this point here. Uh, there's just no excuse to be losing to that bad Falcons team by 17 points. A loss would have been one thing. Getting blown out by the Falcons, that's unexcusable. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are calling for Zimmer's head. I mean, you run with Kirk Cousins and then uh, you get rid of Diggs. I mean, he he's half-assed Bill O'Brien, the Vikings. Uh, I mean, the Vikings were a solid playoff team. Uh, so were the Texans and then traded everybody away and just ran it into the dirt. Uh, I don't ex- expect Mike Zimmer to be with the Vikings very long. Uh, not not at all. Uh, and then and then what do you know? If they get rid of Mike Zimmer, I'm going to pick the Vikings to win the next game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's uh, the Jets won't win until they fire Adam Gase or something. Uh, <laughs> how about the uh, Broncos and the That's Patriots? That's going to be. Yeah, right. The uh, Broncos beat the Patriots 18-12. to 12. Drew Locke uh, was back. He had two interceptions, but it was still good enough to win. Cam Newton really struggled uh, with two interceptions. His first came back from uh, recovering from COVID-19. Tom, uh, Belichick, I really expected more. This Broncos team is not very good. Cam you know, what he came back from, it wasn't an injury. It was illness. I mean, there's just no excuse for them to only score 12 points against that Denver team. Although they got Drew Locke back, that team is still not very healthy either. That's inexcusable at home. Yeah, it's it's not a good look. And, and I'm not sure how – it'll be interesting to see how the Patriots kind of rebound if they do. Um, but it, it's really more interesting, okay, is – is you know cam is coming back from covid pre-covid looked really good um and then you know this game coming back maybe he wasn't ready to come back because he didn't look it and it's it's really be interesting to see how covid actually affects these players going on for the rest of the season right Um, because that's a lot of people had mentioned hey was cam even ready to come back from covid is is i mean i mean is it still somewhat affecting him uh it looks like it right 
Exactly. Uh, how about the Giants? They got their first win of the year. They didn't need to fire Joe Judge to do it, but nonetheless, they beat Washington 20-19 to 19, uh, to uh, get a, a W on the board. But I think they built up some momentum from that Cowboys game uh, where they played their best game of the year the week before that, Tom. Uh, are the Giants turning a corner of sorts here? They're going to turn the corner straight into, I was almost going to say third place in the division, uh, but with how the Eagles have, <laughs> have kind of played, um, you know, it's still really anybody's division, but probably, you know, it's at this point, it's probably not Washington's anymore. Uh, I mean, and we talk about coaches all the time. Uh, you know, we're, I feel like we're, I feel like we're pro, pro fire your coach uh, from <laughs> Billy Donovan to Dan Quinn to, I mean, Matt Patricia's coming soon. Mike Zimmer. We want to fire your coach. I mean, we are a, a pro fire your damn coach podcast, and I am here for it. Uh, I don't think Ron Rivera would get – no, they're not able to let him go. But I still think – I mean, you look at it. I, I That was one game I didn't pay much attention to. I don't think people did. I don't think anybody did. Or a giant fan. Uh, I have no idea how Alex Smith played. I'll tell you that. But I still think, you know, if well, it's from a pure – talent perspective it was wrong to get a, a, a rid of Dwayne Haskins yeah uh, I mean he's not gone yet but he's he's good as gone right he wasn't even active on Sunday uh, Kyle Allen got the start he went uh, 31 of 42 280 yards and two touchdowns but ultimately the Giants uh, pulled that one out there the Ravens beat the Eagles 30 to 28 um Tom uh, the Ravens now five and one on the season what do you make of where the Ravens are at right now you know, I did watch that game, and the Ravens had the, – the score does not indicate how close that – or how distant that game was. Uh, they had kind of let the Eagles back into it and kind of had a scare towards the end, not going to lie. And I was thinking, what is going on with the Ravens? They're fine. They're 5-1. and one. Uh, You know, the Eagles did play them tough there in the end, but uh, Ravens are just going to keep on rolling. Very interesting now, though. Um, and for the bottle battle for the AFC, I mean, you have the Bills right there, the Steelers being five and oh, the Titans as well. Uh, the Ravens, I mean, you got four teams, five. I mean, you, I mean, the AFC is looking dangerously good. I mean, you got five, six teams now that that anybody, anybody's race here, yeah. Um, Speaking of the uh, Steelers, the 5-0 and o Steelers you mentioned there, they just hammered the Browns 38-7 to and advanced to 5-0 and o on the season. Claypool again was phenomenal. Four catches for 74 yards. The Steelers got what they wanted out of James Conner, a 100-yard performance out of him. The defense was good. All those things, this game went just about perfect for the Steelers, except... They lost Bud Dupree for the year to a torn ACL injury. The Steelers, that great defense they have, that certainly will be a loss of some sorts, but I don't think it's anything they can't overcome, Tom. No, I think they'll be just fine. The offense looked great. Hell, even Mason Rudolph got some time. Uh, I mean, James Washington, for you know, former OSU wide receiver, even got a touchdown out of the deal. Uh, Ravens – or not Ravens, sorry. Steelers look to be firing on all cylinders. Uh, you know how I feel about the Browns. That was a great one to see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, that was a rough day for the Browns. Uh, they, they're at four and two now. Uh, sell that stock on the Browns there. Put them uh, with the Colts and just bury them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
How about the Bears uh, defeating the Panthers? Uh, Teddy Bridgewater kind of struggled a bit. He had two interceptions. Nick Foles uh, rallied the uh, Bears with the uh, come-from-behind victory uh, there uh, to, to get the win done, uh, 23-39, uh, 198, one touchdown and a one interception there. I think the thing that's different, Tom, about what Foles is doing as opposed to uh, Mitch Trubisky is that Foles is not losing the Bears games. Um, he, is he playing spectacular? No, but he's putting his team in position to win and he's not costing them. That's why that uh, he's the starter right now and why the Bears are so much improved just because they don't have a guy, a quarterback that's getting in the way of their team. He's, he's, he's doing fine. He's doing what the Bears need right now. I mean, and it's so close to you look at their last two games. They sneak by, they sneak by Carolina, but then the previous week they sneak by the Bucks, and we'll get to that game here. I'm sure that's on your list. Um, sneak by them as well. You just hit it on nail, nail on the head. Uh, Trubisky is losing both those games. Uh, you know, he's makes, or he would have made mistakes that would have lost the Bears those games, and we would have been talking about a three and two instead of a five and one uh at this point and and jones that monday night game next week looms uh not bears but for my team too um we'll get to the rams game as well later on and i have a lot of thoughts there but uh yeah the bears i was ready to sell and uh you know it's 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 paid off for the bears uh you know Tariq Cohn has been out but Montgomery looks like he's he's doing he's serviceable guy there and and they're getting the job done. That's not flashy, uh, but when have the Bears ever been flashy? Right, never. Uh, the Lions uh, beat the Jags thirty-four to sixteen. Tom, I think you and I both said that nobody was going to watch that game. Uh, that was a snoozer. Uh, but the Lions actually put up some offense. Thirty-four points. DeAndre Swift had one hundred and sixteen yards and two touchdowns and just fourteen carries. Good day for the rookie uh, running back there in Swift. Uh, the Lions uh, might have found themselves a uh, star running back. That second-round pick looking pretty good. Yeah, he did look really good, and, and Stafford even had a few passes. I'm not sure if you saw his little dime. Uh, you know, I, I come away, and I didn't watch a single minute of this game uh, or even really paid any much attention. I'm going to be honest with you. Jose didn't even go to the game like I'd mentioned pre in, the, in the other week, friend of the show, Jose. Uh, didn't even go. Um, yeah, I, I coming away through all this and just seeing the Lions, uh, you know, they end up finding ways to lose. Maybe Matt Patricia is not fired this year, but it won't be it won't be long. I feel bad for Matt Stafford. Put him on any other team, any other contender, and he's probably he, he's probably got close to a ring by now. I think if you put uh, Matt Stafford on a contending team, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. I believe it. I believe it. That might be a I, hot I take, but I'll stand by that. I, I would say that the I, Lions I have ruined you. any shot of a legacy that Matt Stafford had because the talent's been there. He's just had uh, nothing around him to help out. No coaching, no players there. I mean, he had Calvin Johnson there for a bit, but uh, we know that you know Calvin retired early and all that. Um, I feel bad for Matt Stafford. Uh, the Dolphins shut out the Jets twenty-four to nothing. The way we've described the Dolphins all season, Tom, is they are a good bad team. At three and three, 
we almost have to get rid of the word good, bad team. I mean, they're just kind of a, a good average team at this point. I've been impressed with what the Dolphins have done. Fitzmagic uh, had a good showing. Miles Gaskin ran the ball well, and that defense was just lights out shutting down the Jets. Right. I think at this point, too, the Jets are such a dumpster fire between the Greg Williams versus Adam Gase and just – I feel bad for Sam Darnold. I feel terrible for him because I think he's not a bad quarterback. Uh, and he's kind of in the Matthew Stafford position early on in his career. And I, I wouldn't, obviously they're trying to tank for Trevor at this point. That's, that's the way it lo- it's looking. Uh, you know, they'll be doing good to win one game all season. Uh, Tua, Tua got some time. And I thought the most encouraging thing about that whole deal was when, when Fitzmagic went out of the game, he cheered up the fans to, to encourage them to cheer for Tua going in. He knows what is, is the, obviously the future and the game plan there in Miami. Uh, so I thought that was really cool to see. Uh, I mean, Fitz, Fitzpatrick's, uh, he's just a man's man. Oh, uh, so that was, that was cool to see from him. Fit, Fitz magic. He needs to be a coach. He, he's such a great student of the game. You know, he's a Harvard grad, um, you know, a great teammate, I would love to see him be a head coach someday. I think he'd be a very good head coach if he gets that chance. The Bucs beat the Packers. We were saying on Thursday's show, Tom, this was pretty much a must-win game for the Bucs that they could not afford to fall to, uh, you know, three and three on the season. And did they deliver a statement? I watched some of this game. Didn't get to watch all of it at the track, but – Tom Brady was great. Ronald Jones ran the ball really well. Gronk was phenomenal. That defense was outstanding. They gave up 10 points in the first quarter, but they shut out the Packers for three quarters after that. What, what happened? Uh, I mean, it, it's twofold here, Tom. Yes, the Bucs played great, but at the same time, what the hell happened with the Packers here too? I mean, it, it goes both ways. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's first time all season – Aaron Rodgers has been picked off and, and not only once, but twice. And it was pretty much in a row. And uh, one was and, a pick six. Right. And, and so the Bucks came through, uh, I, on Thursday show coach called and he said, you know what? I hate when we all take the same team because we, and sometimes losing big, just completely whiffed. You even took the Packers and I figured it was going to be a hell of a, closer than that and kind of a toss-up but Tom Brady and crew just came and just kicked the shit out of them uh I mean Aaron Rodgers looked like and I don't even think it was on Aaron Rodgers if you actually I would like to see how many times that game he got hurried or sacked or even pushed down uh he could not he didn't have time at all uh, I mean was just watching the game and just sheer amazement that the line looked that bad I mean the line looked terrible and and for the as far as the Packers defense, they couldn't really do a whole lot either. And I'm sure they were gassed because the offense. I mean, that's that's got to be up there for most three and outs in Aaron Rodgers' career that I can remember in a long time. Just three and out after three and out after three and out, and could not get anything going because they didn't give Aaron Rodgers any time of day, and they had to go away from the running game because they were getting the shit kicked out of them for however many times. I mean. They they had no other option but to pass, and then it got kind of you know far too late. Um, you know, mid fourth quarter, Brady was out, uh, Aaron Rodgers was out. Um, didn't I? I was thinking we we're gonna see a Jordan Love signing. Did not. Um, some other guy, I can't even tell you who who he is. Second year guy from somewhere, but 
Uh, I mean, he obviously didn't do anything uh, that special either, but I was hoping for at least the consolation prize and seeing Jordan Love, but did not. Okay, uh, I got one more thing on this Bucks packers game, Tom. Um, so, you know, at the beginning of the season, we made a bet, $100 on the wins for the Bucks. I said that they win 11 or more. You said nine or less. Um, and if they are at 10 wins, then nobody wins. Um, that it's just a, you know, a, a push at that point. I am going to make you an offer, Tom. Um, they're four and two. They just beat arguably the best team in the NFC. I'll give you a chance, Tom, to cash out now. You could pay me 50 bucks right now and we'll call it good. Or Never. we can keep going and, and see how this plays out. Because four and two, I'm feeling pretty confident they're getting to 11 at this point if I wasn't feeling confident already. No, 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 no. I, I, would, I would offer you the same thing because at this, at this point, <laughs> I think it's more so I think it's a 10 and six team right now. I think it's a 50, 50, a 50, 50 deal. Um, and, and they needed to win that game. They needed that game way more than the Packers did. Uh, you know, I I'm still keeping the bet. There's no way I'm cashing that out. <laughs> okay. I mean, at this, at this point, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty much a, I would almost call it just right up a push. Now, if they're if they were beating the Bucks or beating the Bears or sitting at five and one, I would be a little scared. Uh, okay. At this point, I mean, they still have to face. I mean, they they still have some tough games. I think as well. I mean, not only for the bet, but uh, you know, the bet aside, I think we can see the Packers and Bucks facing off in the playoffs. I I would imagine that would be the case. Uh, granted that the something doesn't happen to Tom Brady or something doesn't happen to Aaron Rodgers. So I'm not great at math, but I think I need them to win seven of their next 11 games. Right. Okay. I think that'll happen. I still feel good about that. Um, last one here for you, your Rams, Tom, they, uh, they ended up falling to the 49ers 24 to 16. What happened to the Rams? And then where did the Niners come from? This team was just so bad last week against the Dolphins. And then Jimmy G came back to life. George Kittle played great. Um, are the Niners back? What was this more of? The, the, the Rams having an off day or the Niners making a comeback of some sorts? What happened here? I think it was the Rams having an off day. I don't know what the defensive strategy is going forward, but you have these uh, – the, honestly a, a pretty solid cornerback crew um they're playing soft coverage and that's something you like sure you can do that against other teams but you have to play press coverage against the Niners because they don't throw it more than than eight yards downfield I mean they're just they're the king of screens Jimmy G all oh, let's be let's be honest Jimmy G cannot Jimmy G throws it about as far as Drew Brees does now Right. Uh, there was a couple. There was a couple bombs that were un, were unsuccessful, but they just dump to either kick or one of the running backs right out of the backfield, five yards here, six yards here, three yards there, just a little dink and dump, and then they, you know, they run this almost rammed the Rams here, uh, and, and almost like an end around package. Um, that the Rams are so typical. I didn't see a whole lot of the end around from the Rams last night. Um, and I didn't see a whole lot of anything. Uh, the game plan was terrible. They golf did 
have a lot of time. The the, the line is not the problem here. Uh, Daryl Henderson for the Rams looks to be the back going forward. He had a great day. When the Rams did start running the ball, they they got downfield. Uh, Cooper Cup, probably this is probably the worst game of his whole career. But it, Two drops that were for sure fire touchdowns. Uh, the Rams could have won this game. I think it was an off day. Uh, you know, the 49ers, I, obviously I don't think the 49ers are going to make the either but and i still think they're i think the rams are fine uh this is this is the rams oakland game like we talked about you know let's see who this team is um this is the rams oakland game uh bears rams monday night i fully expect the rams to bounce back i believe the game is in la um even if it's not i think they'll be fine uh yeah, one of those off days. I mean, that was – I almost for sure was going to lock this game in this week. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people did. You know, speaking mm-hmm. of, TJ is the only person to pick the 49ers. He was the only person to pick the Bucks And uh, Alabama. And so he's – yeah, that's the only uh, – I guess he probably did pick the Chiefs as well. So, I, so one TJ of the better weeks nice, – He had a nice bounce back week, uh, you know – He's been struggling a bit. He needed it. So good for TJ. What, what, what did he get? Did he get four wins this week? Four or five, something like that. Um, so yeah. a little bit of a bounce back for TJ. Speaking of uh, college football, we would talk about that Cardinals-Cowboys game, but it's still going on as we're recording this. Cowboys are getting beat 21-3. Kyler Murray's playing great. Um, I think we know how that game's going to finish out. Uh, I, at least I hope it goes that way. I always enjoy, and Tom feels the same way, anytime the Cowboys lose. Uh, <laughs> so um, we'll, uh, maybe we'll touch on that more on a Thursday show when we know the result. But uh, in college football, the game of the week, Tom, was a number two Alabama, number three Georgia. This game was tied at half. Um, you know, it seemed like Georgia was actually outplaying Alabama there in that first half. But the second half was just another story. Saban comes in, makes the adjustments. He wasn't even supposed to coach this game. And then we find out that it was a false positive and Saban had three negative COVID tests and was able to go ahead and give it a go and made the adjustments at halftime. They shut out Georgia and outscored them 21-0 in that second half. Matt Jones was awesome. Uh, you know, Smith was great receiving Najee Harris had a great day running the football. Um, you know, this was the the difference of this game was Nick Saban showing up coaching this game and making those halftime adjustments. If if Nick Saban has COVID here, Georgia very well may have won this game, Tom. I mean, Nick Saban's presence, uh, we can't express enough how big the greatest coach in college football is, how vital he was to make that comeback and change this game on Saturday. Yeah, and he did made the adjustments they needed to make and and shut Georgia out. That's the most Alabama's defenses look like a traditional SEC defense uh, all season, and it came through when they needed the most. Yeah, I loved what uh, Alabama did uh, with uh, that win there. Uh, Texas A and M beats Mississippi State twenty eight to fourteen, and A and M. They're not sleeping just yet at a three and one. Although that we had kind of written them off there. Auburn, I think you can write off, Tom, after losing to South Carolina 30-22. to uh, Bo Nix didn't play that great there. Um, Auburn, all of a sudden, went from looking pretty decent in the first couple weeks of the year to now 
I think that all of a sudden the hot seat's turned on for, for Gus Malzahn there in Auburn. We know how they are with coaches out there. This is They can't be feeling pretty good about this start. Yeah, and I feel like Gus Malzahn's been on the hot seat in and out. He gets on the hot seat. They don't fire him, comes back, has a great season, off the hot seat again. Then, you know, a couple more years go by, he has a bad season, he's on the hot seat. Every time he gets on the hot seat, he finds his way to get off of it. And uh, I don't know when his way off the hot seat this time. Yeah, Kentucky, uh, man, did they blow Tennessee out of the water. Tennessee finally started looking legit with that number 18 ranking, 2-2 two and two on the season now after that loss to Kentucky. Kentucky beats them in Knoxville 34-7. to seven. And, uh, Tom, you know, if you would have told me this would have been the score before the season began, I said, yeah, very believable. Tennessee's going to do Tennessee things. Uh, but, you know, the way Tennessee started, uh, I did not see this coming, uh, to be honest with you. I'm impressed with the job Mark Stoops did uh, to shut down Tennessee in that way. Tennessee going back to their old ways. Uh, it never fails. It's, it it's reminds me of Texas in a sense. They are the SEC's Texas. I don't know. I don't know where the respect comes year after year. I Tennessee's never done anything. Uh, I mean, I can't remember a year that I'm like, oh, Tennessee. I remember a few years back. I think OU went to go play at Rocky, and it was kind of a bigger game. And then OU just had their way. And and I I still don't know what the hype is. We did talk about it on the show that we thought that Kentucky was going to have a great year. And we expected good things from them, but then they didn't really impress. This is the Kentucky team I thought we were going to see at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame beats Louisville 12-7. to uh, The Fighting Irish, uh, yeah, they're undefeated. They're number four in the country. But all the teams that they've played this year in those four wins have been terrible. They have a losing record. Uh, you know, this – the way that Notre Dame started, I know that they're winning these games here, but they are frauds. I am selling – everything that there is about Notre Dame at this point, Tom, which, um, you know, I just mentioned Notre Dame and you should think about selling them as is anyway. But uh, I think that they've proven this point. They have not been impressive in these four wins uh, against these bad teams. Yeah, no, they haven't. And, and I'm sure this game's coming up on your, on your little note section here, but Notre Dame figuring out they're going to end up like Georgia Tech did this week. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I know Georgia Tech's not very good, Tom, but 73 points for Clemson. Trevor Lawrence with, you know, 400 yards and what was it, five touchdowns and uh, holding Georgia Tech seven points. I get it. Georgia Tech's not very good. But just for Clemson to do what they did against any ACC opponent, that's impressive. Uh, Clemson is uh, not messing around. No, it's going to be – I'd be hard-pressed to, you know, see them not run away with the ACC at this point. I mean, they were going to run away with it either way. But, I mean, this is – granted, Georgia Tech's bad. This is a Georgia Tech team. We'll transition in the next game here. This is a Georgia Tech team that beat Florida State, who just beat North Carolina uh, in a game that was ugly in the beginning and then close to the end. I'm not sure if you got to catch any of that game. Yeah, uh, Sam Howell played fine for North Carolina, but their defense just didn't show up. Um, you know, did you know, Tom, that Mac Brown has never beat Florida State? Really, not even at Texas. Never, not once. That's, I mean, that is, that is pretty. Uh, that's pretty hard to believe. I think, I think Mac Brown comes back. I guess I, 
the ACC schedule, I guess, is a little weird this year. Um, but so I don't know if they wait a couple of years and play them again. But I mean, Florida State obviously didn't play UNC last year. Right. 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 Um, so we'll see if uh, Mac gets another opportunity sometime soon. There was only one Big 12 game this week as uh, OSU Baylor was postponed. We talked about that at the top. Uh, KU falls to West Virginia 38-17. to The Jayhawks jumped out to a hot start, Tom. Uh, Ten points in that first quarter. It was like, okay, this is nice. Uh, you know, they didn't have less miles as uh, Les did test negative for COVID before the game, but he didn't want to travel um, he's like, eh, guys, I'll sit this one out. <laughs> um, and uh, they, they turn things over uh, to, you know, the, the rest of the assistant staff to, to, to manage this game. And, you know, you get off this good start and like, well, it's only a matter of time when West Virginia is going to figure this out. And boy, did West Virginia figure it out. 38 unanswered points for the Mountaineers in round to a 21-point win over KU. The Jayhawks have issues. I mean, that's pretty obvious uh, at this point. But now the quarterback situation. You started Miles Kendrick, and it sounds like that Kendrick is going to start this week against K-State. And McVitie is possibly going to play. And Jalen Daniels, who's their second-string quarterback, is not quite ready to go. It's a mess at the quarterback position at KU, along with many other messes that they have right now. But now you have the biggest letdown of them all, and that was the news that came out Monday that Puka Williams is opting out for the remainder of 2020. Um, his mom is having some health issues, and uh, he's going down to Louisiana back home to take care of her. And you know, just a couple of months back, when it was you know a lot of guys were opting out and everything, people asked you know, hey Puka, are you going to opt out? Uh, get ready for the draft and all that. He's like, no, no, no. I want hundred percent playing football. I think, you know, no, you know, definitely we're, we're thinking of Puka's mom and hope she gets healthy and well and all that Tom. But I mean, I would guess if this season was going the way KU liked it to maybe Puka sticks around in all this. And, and I don't blame Puka one bit for making this move. This team is bad. Um, Puka is not getting any help. That offensive line is just atrocious. Um, you know, th- things are, are brutal right now. And you got to think about Puka for his future. This is a guy that's going to play in the National Football League. And, you know, as bad as that offensive line is, and, you know, his numbers have not been good because he's had no help and no blocking, the more he plays for KU right now, his draft stop may slip and he's more prone to, to get injury of some sorts there. Uh, I don't blame Puka one bit for bound out of this season, going home, taking care of mom, and for you know staying healthy and trying to salvage his draft stock for what it is. Uh, I think Puka Williams has played his last game at KU, Tom. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, you know, I Puka's too good of a player, and and you know, I don't think KU fans can even be mad, even if his mom wasn't sick or had health problems, even if he wanted to opt out. I mean, at the rate that I mean, I I don't know who's the right quarterback for KU at this point. Miles Kendrick looked terrible. There was an interception he threw in the what second quarter. I think I texted you about it. So what is he doing? I like what and and I think at that point they may have might have switched quarterbacks for a little bit. Um, I, I somewhat watched this game. Uh, I mean, you just with the big you know the big noon 
group. I mean, how can you not? Uh, you know, and we, I was ready for the, I was ready for a repeat of the Red River shootout. Uh, you know, and I was ready for college football. You know, I was ready for the line Fox again. Sports. And, and, <laughs> right. That it, there was no college football played on the side of KU. That was, I mean, he could have said high school football, and I would have said that's more like it. Right. They didn't even send Gus and Joel to Morgantown. They had him call it from a studio in LA. And oh, yeah. So that's how we're going with this game, huh? Yeah, all right. Um, but yeah, uh, best of luck to Puka. I'm going to be a fan of his for a long time. And uh, we'll see what happens for him down the road. Last thing before we get out of here, uh, we talked about it briefly at the beginning of the show, the uh, Kansas Speedway NASCAR weekend. Loved being on David Starr's car. Uh, that was cool. Appreciate my guy, Harold uh, Koontz from Fox 4, having me on on Sunday night to recap the race. But, Tom, uh, you know, looking back at, at Sunday's race, uh, a few things. Clint Boyer doesn't have the showing he wants, finishes 26th. Um, he was so mad. He didn't even talk to the media afterwards. Um, not the outing that he wanted for his final race at Kansas Speedway. Jimmy Johnson, his last race at Kansas Speedway, he hit the wall. He was a couple laps down, not a great day for him. So the retirees, um, struggled a bit, um, on the other end of things, you know, your, your favorites were Hamlin and Harvick Hamlin, uh, had an issue after winning stage two that forced him to lose some spots back and took him out of contention. Joey Logano, uh, you know, his you know, two things with Logano winning this race. Uh, his team did a great job on pit road, putting him, him in position. But what he did was, even though Kevin Harvick had a better car than him and was sitting in second place, um, I still credit Joey Logano because he held off Harvick for 40 laps with Harvick right on his tails. Harvick, they call him the closer. He does a great job of getting the deal done and, and winning these races, you know, in, in crunch time and, and beating these guys to the finish. But uh, for, for Joey to do what he did, that was impressive. And now you've had a change of things come to this playoff. You know, Joey locks up a spot in the championship four. We all assume that Hamlin and Harvick were guys the guys to beat. Well, Joey Logano won at uh, Phoenix earlier this year. I know that he hadn't won since the uh, pandemic began, but he won at Phoenix. Um, he's played spoiler in the championship race before. His one championship he won, he'd only won th uh, three races that year. So all of a sudden, Tom, I'm, I'm still saying that Hamlin and Harvick are the favorites, but Joey Logano, that win – uh, that he had this weekend. He's proved that he's here to stick around, that he's going to be a threat come that championship race in Phoenix here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think so too. And and to be able to hold off Kevin Harvick like that, uh, that just kind of says it all because that we, I mean, we've, I think out of however many races I've been to at, at Kansas Speedway with you, I think I've either seen Kevin Harvick or Denny Hamlin win them. Um, and so to be able to hold off Harvick I actually had a Snapchat memory the other day um, of Kevin Harvick winning. So, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if he would have ended up pulling it out. But to hold off a driver of Kevin Harvick's caliber for that many laps is uh, – that's no easy task. Oh, yeah. And uh, the atmosphere, Tom, you had 10,000 fans at Kansas Speedway, which was just made a huge difference compared to that July race when it was not open to the fans. But it was cold. Uh, the high for the race was 45. That was the coldest NASCAR race anywhere 
in the last five years. Um, for all those in control, the powers that be, please never schedule that October race uh, to be that late in the year at Kansas Speedway. Way too cold uh, to be having the uh, race there. And I know that Tom and I, you know, we're used to football weather and all that. Uh, you know, cars, NASCAR is meant to be in, uh, in warm weather, in heat. Uh, you know, those cars need to be slick. Um, that was not the case. You know, that, that was too cold, too windy. Uh, that did not make for fun weather. I was glad that we had the race. Don't get me wrong. And glad that we had fans there, but, uh, that felt really weird, Tom. You've been there. We've had great weather. We've been very fortunate over the years not to have rain. Um, I- I'm not a fan of, of NASCAR's racing in 45 degree temps with 40 mile an hour winds, Tom. Yeah, no, that's pretty crazy. I mean, you know, you're, you're saying it's going to be a week later next season. I mean, you're almost pushing it into, uh, hey, you know, could be snow weather. Right? Oh, my gosh. That is uh, that's certainly possible. It could have some snow next year. Uh, would have surprised me. It snowed up in Nebraska this week, um, believe it or not. So, uh, But nonetheless, uh, going to be a lot of fun the rest of the way. Uh, my money's still on Kevin Harvick, but – uh, I think we're in for quite the treat here these the next few weeks of the NASCAR season. So, got to run. Uh, we had a great show today, a loaded show. Uh, back on Thursday for the uh, normal edition of the Jones Report, we will see you then. As always, subscribe to the show, Apple, Spotify, Google Play. Leave us a five-star review, and uh, we will see you on the other side. Uh, Thomas Bridges, he's on social media at Thomas underscore Bridges on Twitter, Instant Thomas on Instagram, Jones underscore report on Instagram, Tyler Jones live on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find us all those uh, great places there. And uh, we'll see you right back here on Thursday for another edition of the Jones Report. For Thomas Bridges, I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. Have a great week, everybody.